You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Choose to be Curious, and I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome! When I could barely contain my excitement about having been approved for this show, and I was busily telling anyone I could about everything there was to know about curiosity, I was struck by how many people said they thought curiosity would be a great topic for discussion at their places of worship. And I did not anticipate that. (laughs) Of course, there was a lot about this venture that I didn't anticipate, but that's another conversation. But I do love that that was their response, not least because that intersection of, or interaction or, or maybe interdependence of curiosity, spirituality, and faith seems like such a rich topic for discussion. Albert Einstein wrote, One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose a holy curiosity. So what exactly is a holy curiosity? And what is it to have both curiosity and faith? And where do spirituality and wonder fit into all of this? That's where we're going today. After the bells. When I was in college, although I didn't, want, didn't wear a watch, I always knew the time. The church on the green a few blocks away chimed every quarter hour. Without knowing I knew, I could tell you within five minutes what time it was. I loved having those bells in the background. At some point, it occurred to me that despite plenty of places of worship and lots of decorative bell towers, I didn't hear any bells at my home near the courthouse, ever. And I wondered if others had bells in their Arlington soundscape. So I did the obvious thing and put a message on Facebook, to which several friends instantly replied. There's one near me on Columbia Pike and Glebe, but I don't know which one it is. I just hear it. It haunts my neighborhood. Mount Olivet. I used to hear them when I lived on South Lincoln Street. Now, you have to picture me staking out churches and clock towers all over the county, timing errands so that I would be nearby just ahead of that hour to hear the bells. Only most places, they didn't actually chime. Except at noon, maybe, or on Sundays. It seems bells just aren't a thing anymore. Except for a few. Westover. We use the chimes to tell us when recess is over at the Reed School. And I have to say, that makes me smile. Are there sounds in your day that make you smile? Send us a note on Facebook, Choose to be Curious. I'll run together on Twitter, choose number two, letter B, Curious. Hashtag my soundscape. I'm so curious to see what you hear. And I did hear from one listener in Fairlington who hears that train whistle we discussed on our last show. She hears it almost every day. Maybe from the VRE station in Crystal City. She didn't know. I don't know. It's still a mystery. Right now, you're definitely hearing Radio Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Choose to be Curious. I'm your host, Lynn Borden, and I'm so pleased to be joined today with two people whom I've met through some very curiosity-encouraging enterprises in the last year or two. Reverend Carolyn Risher is the Executive Director of the Arlington East Fairfax Region of Capital Caring, 
which offers coordinated care, comfort, and dignity to those living with serious illness. An RN and an ordained minister, Carolyn also serves as the associate pastor of her multicultural church, Bethel United Church of Christ. She and I met through Leadership Arlington, and it was a presentation she gave back in 2014 that got me started on my curiosity journey in the first place. So thank you for that, Carolyn. You're welcome. And the Reverend Junsun Nettles, leader of the Great River Tendai Sangha, part of the Japanese Tendai Buddhist tradition, with meditation services in both Arlington and Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And Junsun and I met through a MOOC, a massive open online course called Transforming Business, Society, and Self. Yeah, nothing ambitious about that curriculum, <laughs> was there? And it was a fascinating program that combined MIT business rigor with meditation and journaling and definitely encouraged curiosity. So thank you both for your contributions to this adventure already. Um, and welcome. Very thank excited you. to be here. Thank you. I'm just so delighted to have you here. So let's kind of jump right in first and, and maybe define some terms. When we talk about curiosity, um, what does that mean? I mean, is it the same in a faith and spirituality context as in general? Um, Carolyn, what do you think? I tend to first think of curiosity as what I find in a two-year-old, that child oh. who is finding new things and finding joy in that newness and excited to ask questions and see what the answers might be. So, yes, I think it can be similar to faith, but it's not just faith-based. It's it's the brain opening up. It's the intellect, the, the vision of what could be. Mm. Starting mm. to get a glimpse. Starting to get a glimpse. Jensen, what do you think? Mm. I love your description. Thank you. I, uh, I, you know, for Buddhism, and uh, and I can speak mainly specifically to Japanese forms of Buddhism like Tendai and Zen, uh, which is kind of where I'll keep my comments to, uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't stray too far. Curiosity is really part and parcel of what we do. So when I think of curiosity, I think of really exploring, Mm. uh, kind of full exploration, and not having too many preconceived notions about what you'll find at the end. So it becomes about the journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so talk more about that. I mean, what is a curiosity journey? Uh, Well, I think often we go into certain things expecting to find this or that. When you look a little little bit closer, uh, this or that is probably just the tip of an iceberg, uh, that when you dig down a little bit further, you may find a little bit more and a little bit more. And people have reactions to this. Mm-hmm. One reaction people may have is, oh, that isn't what I expected at all. And some people light up like a Christmas tree, like, oh, isn't that amazing? So where, how does that difference happen? I mean, can you, could you predict that difference among people? Well, this was, in some ways, the fundamental insight of the Buddha, mm. that uh, one way of looking at things uh, engenders a sort of dissatisfaction. We call it uh, dukkha, suffering. It's, it could be a form of suffering like, oh, This is horrible. But often it's the little kind of like irritations in life. Oh, it didn't quite go my way, Uh, which is suffering. Mm -hmm. 
and it often comes out of a space of, I want it to be like this, yet it turned out like that. And the gap between those two is the place where suffering and discontent lives. Mm. So that expectations about where curiosity goes is seems critical in this conversation. Carolyn, talk to me about that. Sure. I, I reflect back to wanting to go to seminary and to get to go there to find out all the answers, because I was just sure if I went to seminary, they'd have all the answers to all these questions about faith and religion that I had been thinking of over the years. And for me, it was a very different experience than I expected, because instead of the answers, they gave me thousands of more questions that I didn't even know were out there and opened up whole worlds of possibilities in the areas of faith and belief that really forced me to open my mind up and, and to explore more. I had, for me, it was a very uplifting experience, and I enjoyed it and th- thought it was delightful. But I had colleagues in seminary who were just disgusted by it, that, you know, why aren't they just giving us the answer? You know, there's there's one right way, and we just need to know that one right way to think about it, and then let's move on with things. And I thought, oh, how, how dull life would be if there was only <laughs> one right way uh-huh. to do anything. Isn't it in the myriad of possibilities that the true joy of life is found. Oh, lovely. What a wonderful expression, the true joy of life. It's really, ah, gives me chills. So, you know, I'm struck that actually a lot of religious traditions incorporate this tradition of inquiry. I I come out of the Quaker tradition, and and we have queries, sort of questions that are posed. Are those the same thing as curiosity? I think they open a door to curiosity. I think uh, they allow that a person to at, see what the different questions might be, what the different possibilities might be within faith, mm-hmm. uh, within life. Certainly there are occasions when maybe there is a really good and right way to make a, you know, to, to combine things in science. But even there, every time I think we found one what, the way we think is best, somebody down the road finds out a new way to do something, a new way to look at it. Mm -hmm. I was reading um, an interesting piece by Rabbi Jeffrey Middleman. Mm. Do either of you know him? No. He actually um, founded an organization called Sinai and Synapse, Mm. um, (laughs) which which looks at the bridge between the religious and the scientific worlds. And he quoted in this article um, something that the educator Howard Gardner had used as an invitation to revisit, and that that was sort of at the at the heart of both curiosity and, and beauty was a lot of his thought also. And I thought that's such an interesting idea, this sort of kind of you keep coming back to something, and as you had said, Jensen, that it's it's kind of got layers, and different things kind of reveal themselves. You guys are both nodding at me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about that kind of sort of peeling the layers. Well, this is really interesting uh, also. I, I, one of the things that my mind keeps coming back to are all the ways in which Buddhist practice uh, and Buddhist practice says open this sort of thing up. Um, mm. And uh, to your point, the, the inquiry may be what we're doing here and now, um, but the curiosity is what we're opening up. So maybe there's a, a static 
present moment version of curiosity that is inquiry and how it manifests over time is curiosity. I don't know, just throwing it out there. But one of the Buddhist practices of many that comes to mind around what you said, opening up the layers or, or digging down a little bit or peeling back the onion, meditation, of course, uh, is one way to do that uh, with some very specific forms of meditation. And that's maybe what people are more familiar with. But in certain Zen Buddhist uh, traditions, one practice that I absolutely adore is called Wadu. It actually comes out of the Korean uh, Zen Buddhist traditions. But Wadu is constantly asking, what is this? Huh. What is this? What is this? And that is the meditation. Oh. That oh, itself is the meditation. Yeah. Thoughts on that one, Carolyn? A scripture passage came to mind, which was all things work to the good for those who love God. And I, I think that's been a challenge of mine because sometimes we look at something and just go, that's bad. And and, and there are parts of experiences in life that no question are just horrible mm. nightmares. And I struggled, I remember, with that passage for for a long time thinking of all the horrible things that can happen in life and yet and not that I wish horrible or bad on anyone don't get me wrong about this and yet what I found in the challenges in the midst of some of these horrible experiences and working in hospice care working with people who are facing the end of life and for whom death is drawing near and may have pain may have some true suffering physically certainly at times emotionally and spiritually it's also been interesting to watch for some of these people for their reflecting back on that this was actually one of the best things that happened in their life because mm. it opened them up to seeing things so differently. It opened them up to living life so differently. It became a blessing. And you, you think, how could cancer, for instance, ever be a blessing? It's It's a horrible thing. And yet for these people, it opened their eyes to a different way of seeing life, of being in relationship with others, of experiencing love and giving love that they say they would have never known mm. had it not been for this experience of the cancer in their life. And so part of me says, when the Wadu, what is this? Maybe that chance to look at something that is a nightmare on its almost every part of its being and yet find within it an opportunity for something that might never happen without that experience. Mm. So it is that curiosity to say, okay, in the midst of any experience, what is this? What is this? Yes. Yeah. You know, what you remind me of as well, uh, Lynn didn't mention this, but one of my other identities in the world is as a psychologist. And uh, there's a well-known psychologist by the name of uh, Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. Some of you, uh, you're mm -hmm. nodding your head. You've probably mm -hmm. heard of them. Uh, and he is uh, uh, was a... Uh, Holocaust survivor. And uh, I'm struggling for the name of his book right now. It's something along the lines of uh, uh, yeah. the search for, search for, for human, meaning? search for man. Yeah. Human meaning. Or human meaning. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but he talks about this very thing mm -hmm. of finding, finding one's humanity sometimes in the most horrible of mm. events. Uh, and uh, it's interesting when uh, you look at things from various perspectives. You may find the good and the uh, and the bad, and the bad and the good. They may have 
a seed of each other in them. It's, oh, how interesting. And, and I mean, that sort of puts curiosity in the category of a real survival skill. I mean, all about kind of resilience and being able to reframe. Fascinating, fascinating. Well, speaking of wise sages that um, that you both are familiar with, I had asked you each to to give me a quote that resonated for you in this context. And um, and I'm a sucker for the well-turned phrase, so <laughs> I appreciated that you shared these with me. Uh, Jensen, you offered, since all is empty, all is possible. Tell me more about that. In Mahayana Buddhism, which is a, a large school of Buddhism, uh, people will often encounter the term emptiness in the sutras and in the teachings. And uh, people's reaction to this is often, uh, they're shocked because they think it's a nihilistic way of, of looking at reality, that it's nothingness. Uh, that's not emptiness. Mm. Uh, not, not it at all. Uh, emptiness is, uh, in a way, pure potentiality. The white sheet uh, that is what you are going to create the masterpiece on the empty cup, which gets filled. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, the, the blank slate, it sounds like. Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, that in silence, beautiful music can emerge. I've heard musicians say, and I think you may have a show at some point on, on music and, and, uh, and mm-hmm, curiosity. Coming up. <laughs> hey. uh, Shows on all sorts of things. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a musician, but I've heard musicians say that uh, it is more the silence that makes the music than the notes. Ah. Uh, I would suggest that uh, it's both and. It's not an either or. And uh, that's that's the beauty of that quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, form is emptiness, emptiness is form, and they entail each other. And and to be curious in the face of either, it's it's such a, oh, I love it. It's such a pithy, evocative, you know, few words, but so much that's said. Fabulous. And Carolyn, you offered something from Isaac Bashivas Singer. Doubt is a part of all religion. All religious thinkers were doubters. Tell me more. If you look at the very beginnings in the Christian and Hebrew traditions of the Bible, I always envision Genesis as somebody's answer to their child's question. Mm. You know, how did the world come to be? Mm. You know, how did things get started? And this person came up with, well, you know, I think this is what may have happened, or this is what happened. And down the road, that child grows up a little bit and gets to be the proverbial teenager and looks back at the answer their parent gave them and said, hmm, I'm not so sure about that anymore, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah, that, that answer when I was three doesn't make sense now that I'm right. 13 or 15. And so for people within religious traditions that are serious about their religion, they're not afraid to look at what's been given to them and say, hmm, yeah, I don't think that answer makes as much sense as it could. Let's, right, let's right. think about this some more. I, I remember getting into long discussions with a pastor of mine when I was a teenager because I had grown up in a church that had some pretty definite answers to the you know how life is and what scripture says and I kept saying but what about and he'd say well Carolyn you just you know you just have to believe it and that that opened up a door for me to find that there were many people who'd gone long before me who were not willing to settle for what they were told. Mm -hmm. And it was from their writings that I found things that resonated, for me at least, 
so much more with what the idea of God and what the idea of love is and how we might be together in this world as human beings coming with very different views on that topic of religion and faith and God and spirituality. And yet maybe, maybe we all have the truth uh-huh. within uh-huh. that. And that is from the doubting of what we have been told that opens me up to what you have been told. And for me to hear a different way of thinking about faith that may open up a way that keeps us from killing each other because you don't believe what I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just love this. Um, Buddhism is, because of the very things that you suggested, rather suspicious of set views uh, because set views are what cause wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're in some ways the root of anger. And uh, there's a, uh, a a parable from uh, some of the early Buddhist sutras that uh, uh, is often given, where the Buddha describes the teachings of uh, his teachings uh, as a raft, uh, and the raft is intended to get you to the other side, uh, mm-hmm. the, the shore on the other side, which is Nirvana. And then he asks a very interesting question. Now that you've got this nifty raft and you're over on the Nirvana side, are you going to carry it around with you forever? (laughs) Does it continue to serve any purposes or not? So maybe it's time to let go of the raft too Uh at that point. Uh Uh, So I I think this idea also uh, we see in that doubt uh, and uh, non-attachment to views is critical to to the spiritual process. And to our future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think if we hadn't had doubt 3,000 years ago, you know, we'd still be doing things the way we did them then. Thank heaven there were people who <laughs> doubted the way we did them then. I kind of like fire. Yeah. Well, fire's good. No problem with it. But right. I love my air conditioner. That, that collective asking, you know, what is this? What is this? What is this? It's really, that's wonderful. Uh, you knew this was coming, right? And I'm struck, actually, as you've both spoken about the way that analogy actually shows up in in faith and spirituality. So I have a big jar of wannabe analogies here, and I'm going to ask you to uh, put on your analogy thinking hat and pick a, pick a slip of paper, and we're each going to make an analogy to curiosity okay. based on whatever word is on your slip of paper. Reaching in, okay. And w- I had a, an audience member ask that we also give one to the audience, so I'm going to pull a slip out here for the audience as well. All right, I'll go first. I haven't even looked at mine yet. Um, it gives you guys a little chance to think about it. So... <laughs> Mine is haiku. Um, oh boy. Uh, curiosity is like a haiku because it can often pack so much into a little space. Okay. All right. Who's next? Curiosity is like a knife oh. because it cuts through the packaging to let us see what's inside. <sighs> Yay. Oh, you're Wonderful. good at this. <laughs> yes. I got fingerprints. Ooh. Fingerprints are like curiosity in that each person's is unique. Oh, I love it. Whoa, thank you so much for that. And for our listeners, curiosity is like water. So send us something on Facebook or on Twitter, hashtag analogy. How is curiosity like water or vice versa? 
Any final thoughts before we go on what is a holy curiosity? Holy curiosity is joy. It's mm -hmm. helping others find joy. Nice. Um, wow, holy curiosity. Holy curiosity uh, to me is limitless. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know how to put yeah. words around it. You know, the universe. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and all of its 10,000 manifestations or constantly changing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, another wonderful conversation here at Radio Arlington. Thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. It's a uh, pleasure. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Good, yeah. good. I'm glad. You're listening to WERALP in Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. Do you know something about curiosity? Are you wondering about curiosity? Send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Choose to be curious. Don't forget your analogy to uh, water and, and my soundscape. I want to know what you hear, what makes you smile. Special thanks this week to my bell mavens, Judy Hitchikata, Dana Theus, Cheryl Moore, and Karen DiCarlo, our guests, Carolyn Risher and Junson Nettles, and of course, Antonio Villaronga. I hope we've got you contemplating your own version of a holy curiosity and that you'll be back on June 29th for our next show when we'll talk with local songwriter, musician, and recording artist A.J. Smith about that secret sauce, curiosity and creativity. And maybe we'll get him to sing. Until then, choose to be curious. <laughs>